What's up, guys, and thank you for listening to the TSR podcast. Just so you know, TSR will be doing fan episodes starting with the Panthers episode next Monday. Make sure to check it out, and if you're interested in coming on, get in touch with myself or Bo via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks, and enjoy the show. You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in. This is the TSR pod where all we do is win. It's just football fiends on a mission delivering opinions of mass significance. Man, I hope you've been listening. Cause scouting is the business. You're welcome cause it's a privilege. Most people in this position just don't give it away, no. All that's left to say now is welcome to the show. Cause you know Jacob and Ball, we're ready, so let's go. Well, I got the dollar, get it, put it in you. Feeling with the feeling, don't stop, continue. What is up, everyone? The 2020 NFL Draft is officially finished up, and it was finished up Saturday. So let's break this whole NFL Draft down. First off, I have got to say that I was impressed with the virtual draft, and I think it was it was run very smoothly. I have no complaints. Bo, what are your thoughts on it? I think it went a lot better than expected. Um, I saw where some GMs said it was flawless, and, I mean, I'm glad it was. They needed it to be. And I heard they were 16% up in ratings as well, and that's that's a that's a big jump from from uh, one year to another. Yeah, it was it was also the most watched draft ever. Um, and that, okay, we have to have to be uh, kind of realistic with that though. It's probably due to everyone being in the house, being at home. Um, but it had 55 million viewers across the three day event, uh, which was called the Draftathon. So um, and also they also were able to raise six point six million dollars for six different charities. So that's something to put out there as well. But I like you said, you know, and like you said, that executive said, Bo, I, I think it was flawless. I don't think I didn't see. I thought we were, they were going to run into a lot of technical issues. Um, I didn't know. They, of course, they were saying some people were saying it was going to get hacked. Um, there were going to be times when teams couldn't con- um, communicate with each other due to um, malfunctions, electronic malfunctions. But uh, but like you said, Bo, I think it was run really smoothly. And I think they did a great job. I do kind of wonder where did the, the you know, it was this big deal about. EA was going to be having animations done for the players, and I didn't see any of that. I'm glad they didn't. It seems kind of gimmicky. We don't need that. I would rather have the I would rather have the authenticity of of just flashing to the to them at their house like they did. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I, I do wonder why that fell through because that was pretty much the biggest talked about thing was how EA was going to create these uh, these virtual moments. But I'm kind of glad they didn't do that too. Um, Roger Goodell was kind of funny. He was kind of awkward at times. I think but... he's the big winner. I mean, I think it kind of it kind of gave him like a Mister Rogers feel. I mean, he still got booed by people on the on the screens, but like I saw some of those screens had less and less fans throughout it. Maybe they he started booting the ones that were booing him, but. I mean, it kind of just gave people more down-to-earth version of Roger Goodell, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it made Roger Goodell look good, and you know, it made it, you know a lot of people were saying that the draft needed to be pushed back, and I never thought I was never one of those people. I never thought that it needed to be pushed back. I thought it was something that needed to go on as scheduled, but I think. I think the people that wanted it pushed back probably are glad that it went on this time um, because it kind of got people's minds off of what's going on right now. It was a very pleasant surprise. It was run well, and it made you feel like sports are actually going on right now. So so it, it was a big – at least it, it made me feel like that. I, I, it was a lot of fun for me to um, obviously be doing the draft stuff with Blitzalytics and be watching the draft and – 
listening to it wherever I was at. But um, like I said, I just love draft season. But I, but I think this is something that that the country definitely needed right now during everything that's been going on. I completely agree. Um, so guys, let's see if you guys remember. So Bo and myself were having a competition to see who got more picks right during the draft. So let's break down how the points were given out again. If a team took one of our players, okay, so I'll just say it like this. If a team took your player at the exact pick you predicted, you got two points. If a team took your player with a different pick, you got one point. So you still get a point if the, if you did predict the team that the player went to, even if it's a different pick. Uh, if you got the exact pick right, you got two points. And the winner is Mebo. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Um, it was actually really close, guys. So I got 20 points. Bo got 17. It was way too close for comfort. I was I was feeling the heat, but uh, I am very glad. I, and I, I had the lead at the beginning. You did have the lead at the beginning, but then I got that Marlon Davidson pick on the exactly right pick, and uh, that that put me over the top, man. It's really Damn, it's it, a really tough thing to pick. You just don't know how that board's gonna fall and. And we can't pretend to memorize, like to, to not to memorize, but to to like you know to read the minds of the of these scouts and these execs who've graded these players and probably watched just way more film than we could possibly imagine on each one of them. And so, like, this is just our best guess, you know, basically. And and a big thing, if you actually go back and look at our mock draft, but the TSR mock draft, oh, it's it's all in shambles. I mean, it, it, we got some stuff in the early going right, and got some stuff in the latter end, but through the middle, man, it was just all. Once the um, I'm I'm pretty sure once the Andrew Thomas pick fourth overall, the Giants. It, it went downhill from there because it just threw everything else out of whack. There were players dropping, moving different places. Um, and there were a solid amount of trades too. So, so yeah. obviously I, I knew that we weren't going to be close with our mock draft, but it is fun to see how close you can get that's, to be. That's right. what I was getting at is we don't, you know, we just don't know how these, how we have these guys graded. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I will say it, it feels really good to come away with this victory. Because Bo is winning the followers um, competition right now, so it's 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 a great to get a to get a I, get a notch in the win column right now. I love I, it. I picked a few uh, picked a few up over the weekend as well. I even uh, I even picked up the Steelers. Uh, I think it was fourth round selection. I believe it was their second fourth round selection. Uh, Kevin Dotson, the guard from Louisiana Lafayette, is all American. He uh, followed me back on that account yesterday. Yeah, well, you know, I'll yeah. see if I can get Joe Burrow to follow me. Yeah, you better get started. Yeah, I, I'll have to uh, see if I can make that happen. I, I will lose my mind if that happens. Well, he was giving out followbacks the day he got drafted, and I happened to catch it within the first half hour he was doing it, and then he threw me a followback. And he, like, required you to have Steelers stuff in your bio, and, of course, I do. It's my picture and my header and all that, so. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, guys, news other than the NFL draft. Let me give you a 2020 season update. So the NFL could be pushing the Super Bowl back farther into February due to COVID-19. They're looking like it would be around February 28th, 2021. Um, also, they have also looked into the possibility of eliminating the Pro Bowl and eliminating bye weeks. So that they're, they're trying to figure out what to do here. Like I said, there was a possibility, and it was already having talks about shortening the season, which is something I really don't want to happen. If that if that's what has to happen for us to have football, okay, I, you know, I'm for it. But if there's any way possible for us not to have to do that, I'd, I'd be really happy about that. Um, so the NFL is looking at other possibilities. 
Um, but what do you think about eliminating the Pro Bowl and, and eliminating the bye weeks? I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? Um, I think they should eliminate the game of the Pro Bowl, but give it make it recognition still. Okay, you know yeah, I, mean? I agree. I agree. Like, don't make them Pro Bowlers, but don't make them play in a game. Don't make the whole, you know, the whole week long fan fest that the Pro Bowl is happen. You know, it's it's all those mini games and and drills and dodgeball games and stuff like that and fan interaction and and it's great, but it's just might not be the year for it. Well, like you said, it, it, they would mess up really bad if they didn't give out Pro Bowl like um, recognition. That stuff would be goes bad. towards people's Hall of Fame sets yeah, and yeah, stuff that like would that. Be, I mean, that'd be very, very bad. So, yeah, so I, I, I doubt they would. I doubt they would do that. Um, no game, again, just make, make give them the recognition. Absolutely, I, I'm I'm all for that. I'd be all for that. The bye weeks. Are you, I mean, are you you fine with the bye weeks? Maybe getting taken out. Oh uh, yeah. I th- what do you mean taken out? So they're saying they'd eliminate. There's a possibility that there won't be bye weeks this season. Well, I, I don't see how that helps anyone. I don't really see how it helps anyone either. But it's something they're looking. They're going to take anything out. I think if you want to talk about safety, is take away the extra game. <laughs> so, well, that's that's, that's in another and, year. No, I don't know they're if they're all, playing that this year, actually. But still, they're also talking about taking out the preseason, shortening the preseason. I think down to two now, weeks. Now that's better. That's stuff that can help. But yeah, a bye but week I don't know is how a the bye week. It's more yeah, days it's, off. It doesn't do anything, and it doesn't shorten the season. Yeah, and you have you can give it a bye weeks all you want to. That's a team based thing, not a, not a week to week based well, and thing. It keeps fans. A, I mean, fans aren't in the stadium that week. They're not packing in that week. You know, yes. they're not tailgating so I, that week. I don't know what the the plus would be to to eliminating bye weeks. I do see the plus for uh, yeah, eliminating the Pro Bowl and eliminating um couple of preseason games i understand that but um the, the bye weeks i just really don't understand That's and on awesome. a on a side note speaking of eliminating i mean i was this with this covid thing man i've been hearing that a lot of you know we could see a lot of smaller college programs get really hurt by this by this but they're not being a full season oh i believe it you're talking about like funds coming into the football program no, absolutely absolutely they have to close their doors until they can put uh, fans in a stadium again that that would really, and I could see how that could hurt a smaller football program, and I, and I really hope you know, that doesn't happen because yeah. there are a lot of great players that come from these small school programs. There's a lot of great players. There we, were saw, of, we saw, Alabama, we saw Alabama, we uh, saw UAB, Alabama, Birmingham lose their program before COVID. I mean, awful. it's expen- it's expensive. I mean, they got it back before COVID, also, but I mean, it's expensive to run a program. I mean, it's ex- and they make a lot of money. Of course, but I mean, it's all about fan interaction. If you don't have people at your games, it's, I mean, you, of course, it's hard to, you know, fund a program. And imagine if you forcefully can't have fans. I mean, let me, let me tell you something JMU doesn't have a lucrative TV deal. You know, the, no, this is, not. this is why you hear things about the Power Five going off on their own because they can demand money from TV uh, channels that the other schools can't. And that will completely alienate the smaller guy, too. So. It's going to be pretty interesting. I don't want to go too deep of a rabbit hole, but you got to talk about eliminating stuff due to like this whole virus thing. And that's, that could be the whole, with the, with what we do here at TSR and this podcast, I mean, that could, that could hurt us. You know, I mean, I mean, look what just happened to the XFL due to it. Mm-hmm. The XFL practically just went under because of all this. So they, they didn't have the money to keep going if they didn't have funds. They had, in, they had to pay the salaries of the players with all the money that was left. 
Yeah, it's it's rough. It's been really rough. And I mean, it's not just on, on sports, you know, any small businesses around the country. It's rough on everybody right now. And I think we need to to obviously uh, put that out there that, you know, this is a sports podcast, but we understand this is rough for everyone right now. Yeah. And um, small businesses. No NFL football will, will hurt some cities for sure. Oh, absolutely it will. It absolutely will. You know how much money they make from fans coming through Billions. on their Sundays? Billions. Oh, my gosh. So Billions. much money. More money than I'll ever see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cr- I mean, just what what the Panthers do for downtown Charlotte, it's huge. Oh, it's massive. Oh, you it's, it's irreplaceable what they do for that the downtown area. Like I mean, said, all, all Pittsburgh has is sports. If there's no sports, if there's no sports going on in downtown Pittsburgh, there's not much going on, period. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. Um, guys, so like I said, that would that's your 2020 season update. I'll keep you guys up to date on everything that they're talking about possibly doing due to COVID-19. Um, hopefully things are you know, on at least the the way slowly to getting back to normal. I know some states are slowly opening back up. Hopefully, we're about to come out out of this quarantine um, and, and return to normal everyday life. Uh, but we will see. And like I said, I will keep you guys updated. In other news, Bo, the Chargers just came out and said that Tyrod Taylor is the week one starter, which Should I think be. is is the exact right thing to say. But this is how I see this, Bo. He's I lost step, the job midseason before. Exactly. I <laughs> step back. I, I step back and I say, I say, let, let that this is the Chargers getting us the first good quarterback controversy going early. Because they're gonna sit here and say this, but like I said, I would keep an eye on this. I do believe Tyrod starts week one, but I don't think it will take many practices for coaches to want to see what Herbert can do with the first team guys in a competitive setting. Well, I don't think it's going to take long. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to take long to want to get the top draft pick on the field f- because that team struggles to get fans there. And if and if if they're going to be hurting for money like everybody will be during this time of this COVID time, they're going to want to fill that stadium up while they can. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, another another thing with it is not just that you have, you know, your your top draft pick in there, but you know, Tyrod doesn't have much wiggle room when it comes to mistakes right now. Because because every mistake he makes is one step closer Herbert's breathing down his neck to come out and be the starter. So like, what is your prediction, Bo? When does Herbert start his first game for the Chargers? I'd say by week four. I mean, it also. Uh, but I'll take. Okay, let me rear that back a little bit. By week four, but if that is dependent on Tyrod's success or failure, if Tyrod is one and three, you're going to get some Justin Herbert. If Tyrod is three and one, you might not see him till week six if they lose another game or two. Okay, so I'm going to say Herbert comes out and starts his first game week nine. So you, you think Tyrod can hold it a, a long time? I think Tyrod, I think they're going to respect Tyrod. The guy's always been a good teammate. And it. this is, <clears throat> sorry guys, this is, you know, his time that, you know, you know they're sitting here saying he's our he's our starting quarterback. Tyrod already knows the offense. He knows the offense better than Herbert does. That's going to propel him already. I'd say three or four games. I think, I think if you um, I think they're going to trust Tyrod enough. They're going to let him make some mistakes, see if he can right the ship. And I would say that they're not going to make a big decision because I don't think they they don't expect this to be a winning season. Even though that team is extremely talented on paper, I don't think they see themselves due to the quarterback. You got a rookie quarterback in there, and you got Tyrod Taylor. 
Um, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Tyrod Taylor, but I, I don't think they see themselves as major contenders right now. That defense no. is, is very stacked. The offense is good, but you've got to have the quarterback in a stable situation or, or a stable option at quarterback. And I don't think Tyrod Taylor or the, the obviously new incoming rookie, Justin Herbert, is a stable option at quarterback. So I, I think it'll be around week nine. They're going to see what Tyrod can do through eight weeks, and then they're going to say, all right, let's get Justin, Justin out here on the field. Let's see what this guy can do on the back end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll keep you afloat. They'll they'll keep your organization stable, but I wouldn't say that they'll be consistent pr- producers for you at all. Um, I think that you'd have the biggest problem with uh, Tyrod has made his living by not turning it over a ton. I think because uh, it hasn't been from his mass production of yardage and touchdowns. Um, he has done a whole lot less of throwing interceptions and and by by not doing the bad things. You just see a lot of low scoring affairs with Tyrod, and you know you can put up with that. I mean that's that's not a big deal. But like you said, you got to have a defense like the Chargers have to put up with that. Absolutely, um, absolutely, you do. Um, also, guys, talk about another quarterback here. Jameis Winston has signed a one year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Bo, I'm sure you've been – I imagine that um, Andrew has been talking to you a little bit. Cox has been talking to you a little bit about this signing. Um, but, guys, so the contract details haven't come out, but the Saints only have $5 million in available cap space right now. Um, at first glance, the signing, to me at least, seems odd. Um, the, the Saints already had Breeze and Taysom Hill in the quarterback room, and I expected Winston to go somewhere he could start right away. Um, Jameis Winston could have a perfect shot, however, at the starting job in New Orleans in two years when Breeze's contract is up. That is if the Saints extend him after this deal. Um, so what, what do you make of this signing, Bo? Like I said, I, I, I'm not – I think it's an odd signing to me at least. I think I think he's – it's an, it, it's odd that he would go this route because what you immediately assume when you think of Jameis Winston is he's the number one overall pick – you know, he wants to start in this league. You know, he's been a been a starter. He wants to start. But what I think he's doing is he's investing in his future. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad move. I think he's playing a, a conservative, smart hand. He's, you know, taking one year of making a, a much, much smaller amount of money. I'm going to guess it's got to be under $15 million for what he's, what he's going to be doing there. Um, but, you know, imagine what, imagine what Breeze spraying an ankle does for him. And he comes in there, oh, lights it, it up a with, lot. you know what I mean? Lights up with a bunch of touchdowns, shows that he can learn a new offense, brings down the mistakes, and then you know what he does the next year? He's not the Saints' future; he's some other team's future. I, I, I think he's just trying to bide his time so he can get back up into the twenty-five, thirty million dollar quarterback range. And as a number one pick, who's got tons of yardage and touchdowns, you know, this is me ignoring the interceptions a little bit. You know, it, it won't be that hard for him to find money in free agency. It absolutely won't be hard for him to find money there because, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that are getting paid at this point. I, I will sit here. I mean, you if you list out the quarterbacks that, okay, how about this? I would say that Kirk Cousins is the epitome of an average quarterback. Yeah, no, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, go ahead. What, what were you going to say to that? I mean, you would say he's the epitome of an of an average quarterback, I think I think Kirk Cousins will give you average play week in and week out. Other than a few times in his career, Kirk Cousins is an average quarterback. He he he's not gonna not gonna win a game with his arm. 
but I don't think he's going to – he's not a turnover machine either. He's not going to lose. But he has weeks where he exposes people at the same time. He has weeks where he'll come out, make make a few big plays, but a lot of quarterbacks do that. If he's not a guy that's going to do that week to week. Um, what, what do you think of Cook? Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting a different vibe from you, Bill. I'm getting a different, different – I, I mean, I'm not calling him elite. I'm definitely not calling him elite. You know what I mean? But – but I'm I'm trying to think of someone that is that I'm that I would consider to be more average, like the Baker Baker Mayfields of the world. Well, Baker you know, that, Mayfield's a second year guy, though. Third I year mean, guy coming up. That doesn't mean that he's not average right now. I mean, okay. Kirk Cousins, okay, well, highly, 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 highly paid quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And Kirk Cousins' numbers are, my opinion, much better. They're either, I mean, he's much more of an NFL quarterback at this moment than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's got a lot of work to do before he gets paid. The way that Kirk Cousins is getting paid right now. So, so whenever I, I say, I'm not whenever I say, wrong here. He's not. He's like B plus. He's not. You know, he's like B B range. You know, I don't think he's a top tier quarterback. And even he's not even my top ten. I don't even know if he's in my top fifteen. But you could do a whole lot worse than Kirk Cousins. You could. You absolutely could. But you got to think about it. Average, to me, an average quarterback in the NFL is what you would say a good quarterback in the NFL is. I don't is. think he makes the mistakes like like is an average. He might not make the be accurate with every throw, but I don't think he throws the picks of some guys that some guys do. You know, guys, sit back and watch me and Bo fall straight down this rabbit hole because that's exactly what's happening right now. We got to so, keep the ball so, rolling. So, so, so last thing I'm going to say with this, the, boat, the way I look at it with when I say quarterbacks average, if they're elite, are they solid, are they good, which solid can be average. You know, it's pretty much the same thing. I look at where I would rank them in the league. I would say Kirk Cousins is a mid-in-the-middle guy. You got 32 starting quarterbacks. I'm saying I can probably name you 16 guys better than him. Uh, that, that's I, Yeah, and I just said that I don't, I don't even think he's in my top 15. You know, but but at the same time, I guess that makes him middle of the pack average. But he's still somebody thinks otherwise because he's making he's making top quarterback money. We know that. Well, the point is, a lot of teams would take an average quarterback. That's the point. A lot of teams would kill for an average quarterback right now. That that is, that that that's completely true. They just would. Kirk Cousins would make. There are teams out there. Kirk Cousins is making them better without a doubt. Kirk Cousins is making them better. But but what I'm saying is, I think, like you were saying, Bo, this better is a guy. Better than Case Keenum, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, you're talking about Jameis Winston. We're talking about a guy that was a number one overall pick, won the Heisman in college, came out, was seen as a future franchise quarterback. And let's make this clear. It's not like the Buccaneers just did this to Jameis Winston. The Buccaneers have never drafted a quarterback and and – Okay, how about this? No quarterback that has ever been drafted by the Buccaneers has made it to their second contract with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers never re-sign their quarterbacks. They never do. So this isn't just a Jameis Winston thing. It's not. This is just this is a a a, a, a tradition. This is a traditional thing for the Buccaneers. They, they just they sign their quarterbacks and then they ship them off and they try something new. But like, like I said, I, I think it's it's odd to me. Like you said, he may be investing in his future. I thought Jameis Winston 100% would go somewhere. He would come in and be the man, win it out in training camp, and come out and be the starter. I'm just surprised. I, like It's not a bad spot to end up. I mean, it's never terrible to be as talented as Jameis Winston and then also get to sit there and learn behind Drew Brees. That's not bad at all. Like I said, if the, if the Saints end up – because like I said, Drew Brees is there for two more years, guys – they want to extend Jameis Winston after this one-year deal. Jameis Winston has a starting job right in front of him in an amazing NFL offense that is going to have talent everywhere. 
So I, I don't think it's a bad landing spot at all. And then, and then speaking of Taysom Hill, Bo, they just the Saints just signed Taysom Hill to a two-year deal worth $21 million. It had $16 million guaranteed. And I have to say this because I know you've heard me say it many times. I figured Hill would wind back up with the Saints. I, and me and you have ranted over this, Bo. I never saw him receiving a large contract in free agency. Taysom Hill is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And I will say that until I'm dead and in the ground. He is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And when they were talking at the beginning of free agency, like this guy's going to be a hot name in the market, I never believed it. I never thought a team saw him like that. And that, that's why, in the end, I think he is – I don't think he could have gotten any more money than he just got with the Saints. Do you agree or disagree? I, know. I mean, I don't think he could have. I mean, I think if he could have, he would have. And, I mean, when they say James Winston's throwing more completions to Saints uh, players than Taysom Hill has. Yeah, I mean, it's just – I think – it's just an interesting quarterback room. It's probably easily the most stacked quarterback room in the league. So, and also on top of this, these Saints are absolutely the way they see it this year. It is Super Bowl or bust. That is the way the Saints see it. Like that's they the have, mode they've been in for the last three years. Yeah, and it's just getting more and more intense because they keep getting close or, or having a bad mess up. And when they well, should be just, going for Yeah, I mean, it's just not falling their way at the end of these games. I mean, it's just not, they're not closing. I mean, it's, yeah, it sucks to say finished. that, but that's what—that's just what's happening. I mean, that's that's what this—that's what happened with the Steelers when they had the killer bees. They had all the talent in the world, but they couldn't finish. Couldn't finish. Sorry, Cox. Um, they, they lost to the Jaguars in Heinz Field. And the atrocious, you know what I mean? the atrocious they no let, they, flag they, they penalty against the Bortles, Yeah, they let Bortles throw like forty-nine points on them. I'm talking about us, the Steelers, not the not the Saints. Yeah, yeah. do that, but. Um, but guys, also, um, New England Patriots are in the news. Um, imagine that the New England Patriots signed wide receiver Marquise Lee. Um, they signed the former Jaguars wide receiver to a one-year deal before the draft. The contract details have not been released yet. I thought this was—I thought this was big enough news to come on. I—I—I I, I, I like Marquise Lee's game a whole lot. The problem with Marquise Lee, though, is Bo. He's a solid receiver when he's on the field, but being on the field has been the the most of his issues because he he is injured all the time. Uh, Marquise Lee missed all of the 2018 season, um, I believe, due to a torn ACL, and he missed six games last year due to a shoulder injury. Um, what do you make of this signing, Bo? Like I said, I thought it was just big enough news. I think Marquise Lee is talented enough to where he ends up with the Patriots. That should make the news. Yeah, I mean, I think it's much bigger news if Tom Brady is still there. I don't really – I don't really know what good he is to a quarterback that like that's young and 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 can't help him much. You know, you can't exactly just chuck it up to Marquise Lee and say do your thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, but but I mean it doesn't hurt to have another weapon in the locker room. I mean, they they need it, that's for sure. It's going to be a in my opinion that's going to be a tough offense to watch next year. It will be. It absolutely will be. I think they're going to depend a lot on their 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 running game with Sony Michelle and James White. It's going to be a lot of that running game. Um, and speaking of the running game, the Patriots fullback James Devlin just retired. Um, it's not normally big news, guys, when fullbacks retire, but the Patriots use fullbacks in a large part of their offensive plays, so it is a big deal for them. Um, James Devlin last year he suffered a neck injury in Week Two last season and said that complications stemming from that neck injury have caused him to retire. Now, the Patriots have already gone ahead and addressed this issue by already signing former Packers um, fullback Dan Vitale. So, um, like I said, fullbacks aren't used 
They're, they're used, but you, you you see them a lot in a uh, 49ers offense. They use it a lot in the Patriots offense. Who's another offense, Bo? Help me. I'm, 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 I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Yes, sir. I just said Pittsburgh. 49ers, Patriots. Pittsburgh. There you go. Roosevelt. Pittsburgh Steelers, baby. Yeah, I mean, we just we just signed Derek Watt at three years, and we Roosevelt Knicks just signed to Indianapolis. That's their first fullback since, like, 2013. Um, you said the Packers, the Niners, the Ravens use fullbacks. At least they were. Ravens use fullbacks. It's they not had, a flashy uh, position, but but it's a very uh, important position to a lot of teams, though. Absolutely. I mean, look at you. Sh- there's. I wish I had that on hand. I, mean, I didn't even. Th- we. Didn't, I didn't know we were going over this, but uh, Rosa, when Rosie when Rosie Nix was on the field, the Steelers' rushing numbers were a lot better than when he was not playing mm-hmm. fullback when he was hurt. Yeah, I mean, so some some teams need that extra blocker. I mean, it's an it's an. And if he's good, if you have a good one, oh man, they hit their blocks every time. You cannot. I mean, you, you, that's awesome. I mean, there's no value. There's no, it's, it's priceless. It's, you can't put a value on that. Who's the a, best uh, fullback in the league? Uh, Kyle Juszczyk? Probably him. I'd say him or, I mean, this is going to sound biased, but it's because Derek Watt was the highest rated special teamer, plus he's a great receiving and, like, you know, I wouldn't say rushing. He is, he he's a good receiving fullback. So he's a good receiving fullback, plus his special teams numbers, highest graded special teamer, plus his, I think it's the most tackles as a special teamer. Uh, Derek Watt, they, his, the fullback has to make the team in multiple ways. A fullback can make all these great plays on offense, but they still have to go make it on special teams uh, for the roster spot a lot of times because they, they're carrying so many receivers and linemen now a lot of times. Uh, they got to make they got to carve out that roster spot on special teams for them. They do. But, guys, I, and going back to the Marquise Lee, like you said, Bo, it's, it, it'd be a lot bigger deal if Tom Brady was there throwing to Lee. But but I, it, this is just the Patriots doing what they normally do, guys. The Patriots get players once they've been waived by other teams that, that are still talented, and, and Bill Belichick tries to see what he can get out of them. And, and it's a smart thing. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest guys at taking another person's, and I'm not meaning to call Marquis Lee trash, but taking another person's trash and turning it into his treasure. Bill Belichick has always been great at that. So, so I, I love seeing when guys end up going to the Patriots. They always seem to be looking around to see who, t- what team is getting rid of who, and seeing what they can make that guy into. So, so I, I do love when the Patriots do that. I mean, I feel like his ceiling is Philip Dorsett. Like what? What he was there? You know I would I mean? say a little bit better than Philip Dorsett. Oh, oh, you're saying in that offense? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I, I would agree with that. I'd probably agree with that. Uh, like I said, if he could just stay on the field, that that's the biggest thing, guys. Yeah. But, but but guys, let's let's jump into this draft. That's what most of this podcast needs to be about. It's what I'm most excited to talk about. Me and Bo talked a lot during the draft. Talked a lot during the draft. We watched the uh, most of the first round together. Um, had a lot of fun doing it. We were kind of blown away by some of the picks, and me and Bo have some winners and losers um, that both of us are going to talk to you guys about. Um, but the first thing for me, so I'm going to go over my biggest winner from the draft, Bo. Now, you you have your biggest winner as well. And we'll see who your winner is. We may have the same one. No Might idea. Have the same one. So, guys, the direction I'm going for my personal biggest winner from the 2020 NFL draft is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, guys, the, the Minnesota Vikings – Let's just say this. They had 15 draft picks. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to explain why they are winners. So let's start in the first round, Bo. Me and you were watching. When the Eagles came up, we were like, well, Justin Jefferson's gone. You yeah, know, this was, this was my head scratcher for the first round. So so um, I'll be honest with you, Bo. It, I would say it was mine, but mine was actually the cornerback from Auburn going to the Miami. Had to throw that in there. 
But yeah, yeah, uh, even Genie, I think. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we don't need to attempt to say the name. We don't yeah. need to even attempt to. Noah, we tried last call time. him Noah. Call him Noah. We'll call him Noah from now on. Noah, Noah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, we said it in the first round, Justin Jefferson came up. The Eagles were there, and I was like, "Well, he, you know, Justin Jefferson's gone. We, he's been mocked to him a ton. That's why who me and you both had going to the Eagles in the first round was Justin Jefferson, and they take Jalen Rieger." Which you know we we both we both are good friends with a huge Eagles fan, and he immediately um, texted you and said that he couldn't believe that Justin Jefferson didn't go to the Eagles. So then the Vikings got a steal getting Justin Jefferson. I mean, and they found a great receiver in Jefferson to pair with Adam Thielen. They also addressed the secondary issues by drafting cornerback Jeff Gladney and cornerback Cameron Dantzler. Cameron Dantzler, Bo, was one of the only corners last year that were able to lock down Jamar Chase in LSU's offense. Cameron Dantzler put on a show. If you go back and watch the Mississippi, Mississippi State film against LSU, Dantzler is all over Chase, all over him, frustrating the hell out of that guy. Um, they also addressed the offensive line by drafting one of our favorite offensive tackle sleepers, Bo, and Ezra Cleveland. Yeah, I love that. At 58, that's good value. At 58, that's amazing made value. Me want, made me want to throw up that they got it there. <laughs> um, they also got a so, got solid value drafting defensive tackle James Lynch from Baylor. And one of the – they slept on linebackers. I love, I love James Lynch's game. James Lynch's game is fantastic. Love it. Um, and they also got a very, very slept-on linebacker, Troy Dye out of Oregon, a very talented linebacker to help out that linebacker core. And as well, in a late-round steal, I think this was a steal, they got the defensive end from Michigan State, Kenny Willicks. I, I couldn't believe they got Willicks that late. He's a perfect fit in their defense. I think all around the Vikings were huge winners in this draft. But now go ahead and tell me about your biggest winner. Uh, my biggest winner is the Ravens, uh, okay. and I and I hate that I hate to say it. Everybody knows I'm a Steelers fan, but it's the Ravens. Um, the Ravens have the MVP at quarterback. They're I mean, coming off a year where they made the playoffs. They couldn't finish it out against uh, against Tennessee and Derrick Henry, but I I think they'll they'll be right back next year. Uh, I think they got better in in a lot of facets. Uh, their defense got a lot better. Uh, the, they picked Patrick Queen, one of my favorite linebackers in this from LSU. Uh, I, I wanted him pretty bad, the Steelers, even though I didn't know how we would go about getting him. Uh, I think him and Devin Bush together, it would just be just lightning fast. I mean, nobody would get by them. I mean, sideline to sideline, just great athletes. Um, and then they got J.K. Dobbins. Uh, and I think that I think they got Mark Ingram one more year, but to have Dobbins coming in and a guy that can be a, a dump-off player, to make catches, uh, break off big runs, and give Lamar some help is great. They got James Prochet in the sixth round. Uh, Prochet went to SMU. Uh, he's his ball skills are probably first round caliber. Uh, they just don't. He just doesn't have the top end speed. But at the same time, the Ravens know how to utilize guys to their strengths. And I think that Prochet could end up scoring a lot of touchdowns for them. Uh, and I think that they get red zone productivity they didn't quite get out of Marquise Brown last year. Uh, so they got a guy who can go up and high point the ball. He's six foot tall. Uh, and then they signed one of my late round favorites that I'm very upset. That they got him, but they got Geno Stone from Iowa, the safety. And Geno Stone plays the game with tenacity. And he comes downhill and he lays the wood. He plays in coverage. He gets picks. He's a smart football player, player, <coughs> prayer, smart football, <laughs> <laughs> smart football player, very cerebral, um, plays above the neck. Plus, he's a, a physical specimen. Uh, I'm not, I don't know how he fell to where he did to them. 
Uh, but I think that he's going to end up a starter on that team one day. And then they replaced uh, Marshall Yonda, or at least got some depth to come in later, and Ben Breedson from Michigan, uh, one of the four Michigan linemen that were drafted. And then I can't believe I haven't said it yet, they got Devin Duvernay from Texas. They took two wide receivers. On top of an already capable wide receiver core they dealt with last year and Mark Andrews uh, at tight end. Um, so I think they had a good all-around draft. They got depth. They got playmakers. Uh, they got their defense worked out. Uh, I think the Ravens got so, – I mean, they're – I think they should be the favorite to win the AFC North. Um, they're my Super Bowl pick right now for next year. I think Lamar is going to be on a mission. And, uh, you know. and just to clear it up, they were your Super Bowl pick, I think, about four or five episodes back when we both made our early, early Super Bowl picks. Um, yes. You said the Ravens. So, I mean, they just – they just – Helped their case a lot, and I didn't even. I, I, maybe I, I zoned out, but did, did you said something about J.K. Dobbins, right? Yeah. Okay, I was making sure. I was like, that was huge. No way this guy said something about uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, so guys, did, I'm gonna go into. I'm gonna go in. Oh, I, I gotta say this too. When the, the funniest thing I saw on Twitter during the entire draft was I, I ran across across a tweet with Bo when they were. Um, it was some Ravens um, Twitter account saying that. You know, Sam been selected by the Ravens, and Bo uh, quoted the tweet. And Bo, you said, "I want to vomit," which was hilarious. I did. I wanted to absolutely throw up. That is, I probably out of all the safeties, I've probably watched the most Geno Stone. I just wanted, I don't know something about him. I just think he's destined to make an NFL team and contribute. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think he's like it was, a it was hilarious. Man's Brian Dawkins, man, he's just plays with an attitude. Maybe a little quieter about it, but he's just. Geno Stone is, is a great athlete, man. Great player. Um, real competitive. Plays with a lot of tenacity. Um, so so I, I do understand why you wanted that guy. And I know it does suck. I mean, believe me, it sucks for me as a Bengals fan seeing the Ravens get so much better. Man, I love Iowa I mean, players, I mean, they, they, Oh, Iowa players are great. They're, they're always well-coached, and they're willing to be coached. You, if, you, if you don't come there without – usually you're not coming there without a little something to prove, and you didn't and, – and you come there because you fell in love with that coaching staff and all they have going on there. It's a good culture. It's a great culture. Um, guys, I'm going to go over some other winners from the draft. So I promise you, here's my first team. I'm not being biased. The Cincinnati Bengals are my first winners from the draft. This is mainly due to them winning the draft, obviously – because they drafted Joe Burrow and they made the change at quarterback that everyone's been waiting for. They got the, the quarterback that just set unbelievable records at the college level, had possibly the greatest quarterback season ever in college. Um, he won the Heisman, so that's obviously uh, that's obviously something that makes them a big winner um, is drafting this guy and getting their quarterback in there. They got Burrow another talented weapon by drafting wide receiver T. Higgins. Me and Bo were both high on T. Higgins coming out of Clemson. Um, it, this has just made their receiving core even more or dangerous and talented. They also addressed a weak linebacker core by drafting Logan Wilson, who Bo loved. Bo loved Logan Wilson. And they also got Akeem Davis Gaither, the linebacker from App State, who I think is 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 very versatile, can play a couple of different positions in the um, linebacker um, zone of the field. And I, I just so I love getting uh, Gaither in there. I love the linebacker. Yeah, core. I like that pick a lot. Um, also, also we addressed the offensive line late with the Hakeem Adijane from Cam. Kansas, the offensive tackle. We've got to get more talent in there on the offensive line. So I, I really like that pick. I knew. Were you upset about Logan Wilson coming to the Bengals? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Is that all you have to say? Just yes. Yes. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. I just I, I, I like just his game. Through that. I, that was a 
fastest I think I've ever talked right there. I got so happy just talking about Dude, our draft class. I, I, I honestly, I checked my Skype to make sure that like you weren't like on some speed thing, like like you know one and a half speed or something. I mean, it sounded like I turned the speed up on my podcast. Oh, uh, like, when I get when I get into the Bengals, that you hey, have to slow me down. That was borderline automated, my friend. That was borderline. Yeah, yeah, I, I get I get super into it talking about the Bengals hosts right there. Um, guys, also another winner from the draft, New Orleans. Saints and the way I see this is the rich just get richer. Um, they added another talented option on the offensive line to protect Breeze by adding the most polished interior lineman, in my opinion, Caesar Ruiz from Michigan. Bo, we were both surprised when we saw this pick. We thought, what, what direction did you have the Saints go in the first round? I can't even remember what direction you had them going. Uh, let me pull it. I got it right here. Uh, I had them going with outside linebacker. Okay, I, I thought I had them going. I think I had them going with Kenneth Murray. Oh no. Same. I had them going Patrick Patrick Queen as a matter of fact. I had them going, had them going Kenneth Murray, but but Cesar Ruiz is a very Great polished pick. interior lineman. I don't know if he's going to play center or guard position. Either one, very I polished. I probably so expected to play center today. for them. Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll probably end up playing center for them. Um, they also got a steal by drafting. I don't know how in the third round, Bo. The, the New Orleans Saints got linebacker Zach Bond from Wisconsin, who I mocked to the Bengals at the, with the first pick of the second round. They got him as a steal in the third round. Then they also quite possibly got the steal of the draft by getting tight end Adam Troutman from Dayton in the uh, third round as well. So yeah. the, the the Saints just had amazing picks. They're used to making they're, – they're used to getting steals. We all know Alvin yeah. Kamara. We know he was a steal. Um, but but I think they were winners as well. The San Francisco 49ers, it's another sense of the rich getting richer. They acquired offensive tackle Trent Williams from the Redskins in a draft day trade. Um, Joe Staley, also he is retired after 13 years, so that helps out that situation. Um, they traded DeForest Buckner and replaced him with Javon Kinlaw. They added another dangerous receiving weapon in Brandon Ayuk. It, it, was, it was just a perfect draft, a perfect draft all around. But you told me that you love the the um, IUK selection and you think he's going to be great in that offense. Yep. Um, and then, Bo, I'm with you, the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm going to have to take a quote from Bo. Bo quoted to me during the draft, and he told me, Eric DaCosta is the next big thing. And I'm 100% with you, Bo. You could not be any this more. This was his coming out party. It was. It absolutely was. Like you said, Bo, they added an extremely talented linebacker in Patrick Queen. They added another dangerous offensive option of running back J.K. Dobbins. They addressed the defensive line by drafting Justin Matabuki out of Texas A&M. Got a solid wide receiver in Devin DuVernay. And also, again, they addressed the guard position after Yonder retired this offseason by selecting Tyree Phillips and uh, Ben Bredesen. So it, it was just, it's the Ravens and the Saints, both of those two teams are very, very good at. You'll see a lot of teams that you know they have needs, but they'll take a player that they, they don't really have a need for. And that you'll, you'll see that more in my losers um, on this episode. But the Ravens and the Saints, they go for need and they go for value. And they, it's like they almost hit every time. Every time. Yeah, they're I mean, so they're not going to reach. They're going to take what's in front of them. And then uh, my last winner, guys, from this draft was the Carolina Panthers they got defensive line stud Derek Brown, who I think almost everyone had mocked to them. Um, it was interesting, too, for a minute. I was like, wow, are they going Simmons or Derek Brown? Because Simmons wasn't expected to fall. And they were both on the board, but they still went Derek Brown, which I think was the best selection for them. They added edge rusher Yeter Gross Metos. 
Um, he has an incredibly high ceiling, adds a talented guy to get to the quarterback. They added safety Jeremy Chin, Bo. What a great place for Jeremy Chin to end up is down there in Charlotte. Um, he, he has the ability to, and talent to step in and start immediately. They address cornerback by drafting Troy Pride Jr. out of uh, Notre Dame. And they also drafted former West Virginia and XFL safety Kenny Robinson, which yeah. was really cool to see. His story is kind of insane. They're going to like Troy Pride, too. I think he's one of the 4-4 four, four corners. Yeah, he's yeah. He's pretty he, fast. He, he's a pretty fast corner. He's got good speed. Um, and then, Bo, so do you want to uh, give any takes on what I said with the Panthers or um, the Ravens? I know no. you've already said the Ravens. Well, but, uh, I got I got on mine. We got a couple. I got two teams you didn't. Um, you said the Vikings were your biggest winner. They're on my list. Um, but two teams that you didn't have that I have – are um, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on here uh, trading up and getting Tristan Wirfs to protect Brady was humongous, um, and I love their picking Keyshawn Vaughn from Bandy. Uh, he's probably got he's I would say Edwards Hilaire is the most uh, scat back like natural like you know route running receiver like you know hardest to you know to to scheme for, but Keyshawn Vaughn has probably the most natural hands out of the group. Uh, so and Brady loves that. So I like Keyshawn Vaughn going there from Bandy, uh, and they need the running back depth there. Uh, the two guys they have are are not receivers to write home about. Uh, and then they got Tyler Johnson late from Minnesota, and you know I like Tyler Johnson. Good He's pick. a hard worker. Brady is going to be able to mold this kid. He's extremely coachable. He's coming from PJ Fleck. Uh, anyone from that program is fine by me. He's an all hands on deck player. He's rowing the boat. Uh, Tom Brady's going to be the perfect quarterback to bring him along in his already team-first mindset that he came up in. Uh, the Bucks just seem like they're in win-now mode. I mean, they're all in uh, balls to the wall with Brady right now. So I think they had a good draft for themselves, uh, really trying to build pieces that he, Brady's going to want to be around you know, to play, his out, play out his full contract. Um, and you definitely don't want to have a bad year and make Brady want to retire or change teams because he'll do whatever he wants. Uh, and then the, I think the Cowboys had a great draft. Uh, Trayvon Diggs fell into a great time. Uh, I don't even have to say it, but CeeDee Lamb is a, is, a, is a great pick. Gallup, Cooper, Lamb, good luck defending it. I wish you the best because it's not going to happen. Uh, as long as Dak's making the right throws on time and accurate, those three guys are going to have their way with you. Uh, and then I really like the Neville Gallimore pick, sure up some of that defensive line uh, questions that they were having. And uh, – I love their center pick. Wisconsin O linemen are where it's at. Tyler Biadez. How you say that? Is that it? Biadez. Biadez uh, from Wisconsin. Love that player. Smart guy. Good with his hands. Good punch. Uh, coming from a great program. I'm all. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm all about a good program, but like there's certain ones where you're getting guys that are coachable players that often coming from three-star grades to help anchor big programs. These are guys that are developed and taught, and you can work with that. And so I got him coming from Wisconsin. I wanted the Steelers to get him if they could because uh, I think he's a guy that could be moved around if he had to be. I mean, he's, like I said, you can work with these guys from Wisconsin. And then I think they got one of my – he's also one of my sleepers from the draft and Bradley and I uh, from Utah, the edge player. Uh, super mean. Uh, got got a um, – I'd say I got a mean – a mean pass rush on him. He's working the run game, but he's not going to quit. He's got a great motor on him. And so that's something that the, that the Cowboys are going to love in that defense. First thing I have to come out and say about the Bradley and I selection, 
is first off, what a steal. That guy should have been off the board. It's like a fifth Possibly, rounder, wasn't it? I think Bradley Bradley and I was their last pick oh, in okay. the draft. Six, so I believe their last pick was in the sixth round. Okay. And for that guy to be left in the sixth round, this guy has the talent to have possibly been selected at the end of the second. Would you agree, Bo? Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, yeah. I thought he'd be like a third or fourth rounder. So, so I can't, I can't believe that this, that he fell that far. You know, when we, me and um, some of the other Blitzalytic scouts were doing a live draft of it, we kept seeing this guy fall. We were like, why is this guy falling? I don't know if there was underlying medical issues, underlying off-field problems that you know we don't know about. I have to imagine there's something we didn't know, Bo, that caused him to fall because the talent wasn't the problem. Talent no, was not, not the problem in that situation. So it's, so it'll be interesting to see if we can figure out why Bradley and they fail so far. But like you said, but I, I like the guys you say, I, I think the Cowboys did have a good draft. And then, um, well, I had my, my other, I, I had my other winners. Uh, I also had the, the chiefs, I think had a good draft. Edwards Hilaire, the first running back come off the board. I got to rub that in your face a little bit because I was bragging you about what I thought about him. Oh, and you were man. giving me the you were giving me the DeAndre Swift treatment. And I don't blame you. Swift is great too. Uh, and they got Willie Gay Jr., a freak athlete, a guy they're going to mold and work with, but Andy Reid's perfect for that task. And then uh and then I loved the Raiders adding uh Ruggs and Lynn Bowden together as well. And then Denver adding Judy and Hamler is nasty. At this point, I feel like you're about to go through every team and give me a duo of picks that you I'm, love. I'm not. I'm not. I, those are you said. Give me some other winners. I do those love are, those. Are, those aren't guys I'm going to put as big winners because they don't have four or five guys that I love. But these are I like little tandems Judy. they're going to bring in. Judy and Hamler. Obviously, I was big on Judy, but Handler, me and you both Bo, were big on that guy. And I told you I wanted him to go to the Seahawks so bad because I thought he worked so good in that system. But, I mean, let's look at the receiving core they've got around Drew Lockwood. Let, actually, let's just look at the talent that they've got around Drew Lockwood. They, the, the first sign that you believe in your quarterback is you get a lot of talent around him. Obviously, John Elway thinks he has hit on this pick. It looked like last season, towards the end, it looked like he had hit on it. Drew Locke was playing very well. And look, let's look at the, the talent they got around him, Bo. They've got Cortland Sutton, who's a, a good, big-bodied receiver, great hands. Mm-hmm. they got Deshaun Hamilton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Noah Fant, a first-round tight end from last year. And then in the backfield, you have Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. I mean, come on, man. I know, and their 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 offensive line isn't isn't too bad either. They got Mike Munchak coaching them on the offensive line as well. They're set up. They're they're set. Drew Lock should be extremely happy for with what his team has done for if him. He, if he can't get it done with that, find someone else. Yeah, find someone else. I mean, that's I would say. Um, it it, it, it should, in two or three years, Drew Lock with that talent around him should be doing pretty darn well. He should be. Um, obviously, I'm not going to write it all in this next season, but that is a lot of really good talent around a football player. Um, guys, so let's move into the losers portion of the draft. My biggest loser from the draft is none other, and there is, there's not even another candidate, than the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. The Green Bay Packers are absolutely, in my opinion, the biggest loser from this draft. Let's break this down. 
the Green Bay Packers traded up to draft a quarterback, that quarterback being Jordan Love, when it wasn't a major need. Sure, backup quarterbacks are important. That's fine. But you have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, yes, he, he's a little bit he, – he's gotten to some problems with some injuries. But Aaron Rodgers is obviously the starter. You could have gotten a quarterback for depth later in the draft. So either, Bo, this, this tells me – because I want to run this by you too. I don't know if you saw this, Bo. The Packers tried to trade with Minnesota to get either Minnesota's 22nd pick or 25th pick. Mm-hmm. to select Jordan Love. So they were trying as hard as they possibly could to get this guy. Now, this either means they they truly believe Jordan Love is the next leader and franchise quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and either they just want him to sit and learn behind Rodgers, or either Rodgers is going out the door. That's it, It's only two ways this looks to me. I don't A little know. bit of both. It probably is a little bit of both. If I was Aaron Rodgers right now, I don't know how I'd feel about them selecting a quarterback that early. It could have been part of the plan. It could have been part of the plan. I don't know. I just thought that was very odd, and people around the league believe that to be very odd as well. Um, I don't think – I just think people are too sensitive about it. I think that you got to be prepared. you got to be prepared, but I I just think you could have addressed – unless – like I said, maybe they thought this is the guy of the future. I mean, we all know what potential he had, but I just thought, you know, Aaron Rodgers being there, they were definitely going to give Rodgers weapons. That's what he needs. So let's keep going through this, guys. They also drafted running back A.J. Dillon. This guy put on an amazing combine performance. He was one of the top backs talent-wise in the country. Stats-wise, one of the top two or three. But this guy put on a show at the combine, which raised his draft stock. So they drafted running back A.J. Dillon when it wasn't a need either. That is not not a need, and they have now have him sit at third on the depth chart behind uh, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Doesn't make any sense. They drafted tight end Josiah DeGuara when Adam Troutman was still on the board. I had Adam Troutman uh, mocked to the Green Bay Packers in the second round because of how good of a weapon he could be. They had just lost Jimmy Graham. Adam Troutman was still on the board. They took Josiah DeGuara. I don't understand that. They didn't draft a receiver to play opposite Devontae Adams. That is the biggest problem the Packers – that's the biggest mistake they made. They drafted no extra weapons for Aaron Rodgers. What what do you mean you talk about, Bo? You have got – what did the San Francisco 49ers do last year? All they had to do was lock down Devontae Adams – there isn't another good quality option opposite of him for Aaron Rodgers to get the football to. And they did nothing. Both there were 36 wide receivers drafted. 36 wide receivers drafted, I believe, at the first uh, five rounds or something like that. Yeah. Packers took none of them. Man, I just don't it's, – it's, I'm going to reiterate what you said was the Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Uh, Aaron Jones, I'm pretty sure, led the NFL in touchdowns. Am I right about that? You are right. Okay, tell me on what planet, when you have a running back that leads the NFL in touchdowns and had a season like he did, and you have a comp, you have a, a, a completely competent backup in Jamal Williams, completely competent number two running back, and in the second round of the draft, when your number two receivers are what Geronimo Allison and MBS. Marquise Valdez scouting, you know what I mean? And you just let Jimmy Graham go out the door. What are you doing? It, it looks like to me, and you know, I was talking, I was talking to a couple of people about this, and it's just, it, it's almost like they just w- w- refuse to. They, oh. they, they got, they had a good run in the playoffs, right? 
Did you know that? Did you realize they passed on Troutman? Yeah, that's what I was saying. That they they passed yeah. on Adam Troutman and took For Josiah another tight end, Duguara. Josiah Deguara. What on earth? That I don't I don't understand what Troutman. I can't believe Troutman fell as far as he did, but much less for him. You didn't Cole Komet go above him, or did he go? Cole Komet went above him. I'm trying to think. Deguara went above him. It was two more tight ends. I believe he was the fifth one selected. Really? And here's my problem with it: is I understand you don't select Troutman if you go a different position, but if you go tight end and you take a tight end that is not as good of a threat to catch the ball and make plays, why do you do that when you have a quarterback that needs weapons to throw the ball to? I can't. Dalton Keene went before Troutman, too. That's wild. I'm almost practically yelling into my microphone at this point. I'm actually pounding the desk in front of me. I'm trying to pop it down. But it's just, it's it's really frustrating when you have a, a talented quarterback and your team refuses to put options around them to get them to the next level. Aaron Rodgers, yes, his play has decreased a little bit. It hasn't been as good as we'd like to see it, but there's reasons for that. There are reasons for that. This guy's main two options are Aaron Jones, a running back, and one wide receiver. Defense. Oh, really I wouldn't even call Jimmy Graham last year that big of an option for him. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, so I, I just can't believe it. The biggest thing out of this whole thing is why they're the losers, as they drafted no extra weapons for Aaron Rodgers, and instead they went to two different positions: the running back and quarterback that they did not have a need in. They spent early round picks on them. If they wanted to go with those positions, you get them in the back end of the draft. You don't spend your early picks on them, and then you draft a lesser tight end over a better tight end. I, I'm just I, I don't know. So so you go ahead, buddy. Tell me your biggest loser. I mean, you, they could have gotten like I mean, why did they just get like Antonio Gibson or something? Someone who could do both for them. You know, exactly. I just don't understand. I, so I mean, who is your biggest? Who's your biggest loser from the uh, 2020 draft? Uh, my biggest losers over here were I have uh, this. You said the Packers, and they were on my top of my list. I wouldn't say that mine were in exact order. But I think the Patriots kind of hurt themselves a little bit, and mostly because they they didn't draft any young quarterback prospects. They didn't they, they didn't, didn't give it a chance. They didn't, and I thought I couldn't. I honestly, Kyle Duggar's good, but I'm not sure about where they took him. Kyle Duggar is good. Come from a small school, he's a small school guy. I think he has a lot of potential. He's still raw though, coming out a little bit raw than I would have wanted to take someone that high. So yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with well, you. I mean, there. I, I mean, obviously the Packers lost. The, it's the worst one period. And I'm not just going to reiterate everything you just said. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you covered all the basics. So the other ones I had, the next one for me was Patriots, and then uh, I think that the the Redskins got kind of. Sh- they got fleeced on the Trent Williams trade. I think the the Niners got a heck of a deal on that trade. Oh, they 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 did really you, did. You t- did you did you say what the deal was? Or did no, I, I, I did. I didn't go into that. I was just saying they were. Well, so they got a fifth round pick this year, and they gave up a third next year. Uh, give me Trent Williams, please. Take my fifth round pick this year and the third next year. Just take it. Yeah, Who cares? And I think Antonio Gibson is good for the for the Redskins, but I don't necessarily think that that's what they needed. You know, I think they could have gone something that was a little more towards what they needed. Um, but he's still a good player, and I hope it works out for him. I mean, I think he's a guy you can plug and play. I just I don't know how he'll do with the Redskins. I think he might have to find his true 
production and, and home somewhere else down the line, but that won't be too hard for a guy like him. And then I think that the bears is another loser. Uh, I mean, the, they just signed Jimmy Graham and they went Cole Komet with their top pick in the draft. And I did not get that at number 43. Well, they uh, also they, have, they have 10 tight ends on their roster right now. Yeah. Okay. And the, listen to who they passed on at 43, uh, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool, Cam Akers, and Denzel Mims. All on the board right there. The and one that get, sticks out to me the most is Denzel Mims. I mean, and he went and he fell below all the three I fell I said before that, I'm pretty sure. That he did. Yeah. So and and I agree. And I think that the one they could have used him. I think it would have been been great for them. You know, and I I just I don't get the Cole Komet pick. He's a hometown kid and I feel like they might I don't know if they got wrapped up in that or not, but that 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 had me scratching my head a lot. Yeah, it was I don't know. Ever since the Bears got Khalil Mack, it has been, I don't know what direction they're going. Ever since, because when they made that trade, let's think about it, Bo. And, you know, they made that trade their first couple of games in. That defense was rock solid, and the offense wasn't playing too bad. Either. We were like, everybody was like, whoa, like the Bears are coming for it. Yeah. Like, they, y'all watch these guys. The Bears are coming to kill right now. And all of a sudden, slowly the plan starts to go into for a while. It was a brain train. And then, and now it's slowly they won their the, division and everything. Exactly. And now it's it looks like it's slowly the 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 screws are coming loose. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't know what they're doing. And and it shows this draft. This draft just shows. I don't know what plan they have. Like I told you, Bo, a rumor I heard um, is that Pace and Nagy are both gone at the end of the year. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised. After, really this, after this draft, I just don't. I don't see how how not. I uh, and you know you you've you've now and let's look at the. It's even in past drafts, Bo. The Bears just seem to have issues. Uh, it's it's almost like the Bill O'Brien, Evan the, White. The Bill, oh, okay, I wasn't even gonna bring that up. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. But it's it, it's like Bill O'Brien spreading a disease or something. Like he. It, Back when uh when they when they drafted Mitch Trubisky, but they traded up to draft the guy when the other team wasn't even gonna take him. <laughs> so the team just still got their guy and got to add value too. I mean, it's just I don't know. I, I it's some some organizations I feel like just really don't get value. They don't get the full concept of getting a good, fair, you know, um, payback for what you're giving up. They I. It's just not their thing. It's just drafting's not their thing. It really is. It's just you can obviously tell what war rooms have the most eye for talent and what war rooms don't. You were talking to me a lot. We okay, let's talk about Eric DaCosta, right? This guy is an animal at drafting. The Saints are animals at drafting. The Seahawks are always good at drafting low. Um, you're not, not going to like this answer, but the Steelers have been always good drafters. The, okay, the, the Steelers have been great drafters. They hit, they they hit on their receivers, that's for sure. I, I'm trying to think. The, the Colts. The Colts are seen as great drafters. Yeah. But I think then you the, had, I think then the you Packers teams, in the past have always valued their draft picks heavily and have usually they hit. Have. They have. They have hit. But then you just have some teams that don't hit. The Buccaneers, a lot of times, or at least recently, have they don't hit until the, the Browns. Ni- until the Niners got uh, John Lynch. I th- think it took them a long time to find their identity. Absolutely, the Browns. Other than when they got Baker Mayfield and they got Nick Chubb. Yeah. Before that, 
they the were Chargers, hitting. they struggled for a long time. I would say I would the go Jets. off and say the, the Jets. I was going to say the Jets, other than the Sam Darnold. They struggled too. It's you can just obviously tell that some scouting departments are the more Dolphins. the Dolphins, the Dolphins as well. Twenty years of it. <laughs> every time I think do you're this. done, every time I think you're done saying a team, and I start to talk, and another team pops up. Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> no, nah, don't. I'm no, doing we, it. That's we, a we fact. Do, no, we we do decent with drafting. We do decent drafting. We've had, we've had our, our past right? our past couple of drafts have been good. It's, okay. Yeah, we did. You remember when we took? Uh, well, you, I say remember. We were both pretty young, but Achilles Smith, quarterback. Um, I can't remember. It was eighty. It may be the eighty-four draft. Um, no, 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 no. I said we're pretty young. I meant to say we're not even born yet. Um, I think it was eighty-four. I am, man. Took a. Uh, Took a Keeley Smith, the quarterback, and he ended up just being off for one of the biggest busts. I think probably one of, if not the biggest bust, bust before Jamarcus Russell or um, Mandridge for the Packers. But Ryan Leaf, Ryan Leaf was a big bust as well. But anyways, guys, what we're saying is that there are some teams that are that are very good at drafting, and they they, they have an eye for talent, and they're able to um, ownership. They, Ownership. It's ownership. It really is. If the owner will allow the team, the GM, and and the scouts to to make calls on players instead of getting big headed and wanting the guys that he wants and not hearing anything else about it, those teams normally do pretty good. So, which is you know problem with the Bengals. But anyways, uh, guys, I'm gonna talk about some other losers from the draft real quick. Miami Dolphins were a loser in my mind. Um, they had three first round picks and they reached on two of them. It's Hated just them. that simple. It's just it's just that simple. They took Tua, which was a hit. You're gonna hit on that pick. He he has star potential in this league. But then you reach for offensive tackle Austin Jackson, and you reach for Noah, as we call Austin, him. Austin on the Jackson's podcast. a bit of a project, in my opinion. He is a project. You reach. You he, they they absolutely reached. Uh, they also reached for defensive tackle Raquan Davis. They probably reached on him two rounds early, mm-hmm. if you want me to be really honest. So I'm just upset. They had a record number of picks. And I feel like they they reached on a solid amount of them. This and was I, the year where they had the most of the all of them too. They this was like next year's a lot of picks, but this was their big haul. Yeah, this and, was the haul. You needed know. to hit on these guys because this draft could have changed the the direction of the franchise. And I, I don't. I, 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 I'm just I don't, not sure about it right at all right now. Yeah, I, I don't think that they they did what they. they I'm should still. Have done. I don't. I don't mind their safety pick and what's his name, Brandon Taylor. Is that his Brandon name? Jones. Brandon Jones is, I don't want to think Taylor, okay, Brandon Jones. He's not, not about that high on it. Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, I'm not that high on it. I'm not sure that he's going to be the next Rashad Jones. No, no. I, I don't. Rashad Jones, I'm not just saying this because I'm biased, but go Georgia. Um, Rashad Jones was a really good player. Uh, I, I was actually sad to signed see him. Signed a leave. huge deal there. Yes, he signed a huge deal. He was a really talented safety. Um, I think about three time all uh three time pro bowler, I think um one time second team all pro. But um yeah, I, he's definitely not the Rashad Jones coming in. But they but they're trying to um obviously fill the void that Minka Fitzpatrick left. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. We obviously see what this guy's doing in Pittsburgh. Also, guys, another um another loser I have from the draft is the Philadelphia Eagles. Passing on wide receiver Justin Jefferson up for wide receiver Jalen Rieger in the first round is almost unforgivable. Now watch. We're, me and Bo are gonna sit here and say this. 
and Rager's going to have an, an all-pro year next year. That's probably how it's going to go. But as of right now, I think it's unforgivable that they, they passed on Justin Jefferson. Jalen Rager's I, definitely going to have the best quarterback he's ever had in his career when he, when he gets oh to Oh, my God. Did you watch that TCU film? It's terrible. Uh, it's awful. That Duggar, Probably Duggar, the worst quarterback terrible. film I watched this year. It was uh, awful. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, it's, it's. I don't know how he caught bad. half the balls. I don't know um, how so that kid started the whole year. I, so I give him credit for for dealing with that. But uh, Justin Jefferson, like I said, was more polished than Rieger coming out. Uh, he, he had obviously just come from the one of the most explosive college football offenses ever. He would have fit if, if right. If you could have taken Jalen Rieger and put in him and Jordan Love together in college, they both like it's like Jordan Love was a great quarterback with no receivers. Jalen Rieger was a great receiver with no quarterback. They had gotten to play together in college. They probably could have made some serious things happen. They pro- both probably would have gone a little higher in the draft. Even they both yeah. went really high. Absolutely. And like I said, uh, they also the Eagles also drafted a backup quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in the second round. I don't understand it. I understand Carson Wentz has injury issues and durability is a concern. But Jalen Hurts, now I will say this, Jalen Hurts, you you probably couldn't be a backup quarterback. He will get the most play out of anywhere else he could have gone as a backup. Because Doug Peterson is going to draw up some plays for him as a mobile quarterback to do something in the red zone. You know he is, Bo. Doug Peterson's creative. But I do not believe they should have spent a second-round pick on a quarterback when you have Carson Wentz in there. There was no reason to do that. You find another need, and you know what you do? You go receiver again. You go receiver again because Carson Wentz has no receivers. Hurts might have been there in like late third, fourth. Hurts would have been there, I believe. I believe he would have been. So, so I, I, again, just bad value. Very, very bad value. I did like some of the other picks the Eagles had, but those two just really stood out to me. Um, now, guys, I'm gonna go over some of my personal favorite sleeper picks of the draft. Some of the guys that I think landed in great situations for both the team and the individual that got drafted. Um, the first one I'm going to say Washington Redskins, they got wide receiver from Liberty. I think I said Liberty, Liberty, Antonio Gandy, golden, big bodied receiver, perfect guy to play opposite of Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gandy, golden, big catch radius, very good at high point in the ball. I love this pick, and I think Gandy Golden can make a name for himself in training camp and come out and uh, be possibly be a, be, be a starter in some uh, sets uh, next year. So I, I do like him as a uh, pick for the Redskins. For the Falcons, guys, Marlon Davidson. Marlon Davidson was a perfect pick for the Falcons. I, were hope, I was hoping that they were going to select him. Marlon Davidson is such a good defensive player. He showed it at Auburn, um, and, and no people. It wasn't. It wasn't Derek Brown opening up situations for Marlon Davidson. I would say it was 50-50. Marlon Davidson is that talented. Um, he could push out, be a um, stand-up edge rusher. He can be handing the ground defensive end. He can even push into the interior line. He he's so versatile um, on the defensive line that it, it's not even funny. And that's what the Falcons need, especially after losing a guy like Vic Beasley. So I love Marlon Davidson for the Falcons. I think he's going to have a big rookie season. The Dolphins, Bo got Curtis Weaver with their last pick. Curtis Weaver, guys, from Boise State, was one of my favorite edge rushers in this class. I cannot believe they got him that late. It's just great value. And they, they need some players at edge. They really do. And I think he's going to be able to walk into that room and make an impact immediately. Uh, let's see. Of course. Um, the Titans. Okay, Bo, this is just a personal favorite. Cole McDonald 
my Hawaii quarterback that I, yeah. I liked so much heading into the combine. Ended up with the Titans. I understand, guys, Tannehill is the guy there. But if something happens to Tannehill, Coleman Dom gets his chance. I think he'll impress some people around the league. Maybe end up getting an opportunity later down the road. But I do, I do like this guy if he can just become a little bit more polished and work on his technique a little bit. Um, another huge bit that I love, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers got K.J. Hill, the wide receiver from Ohio State, he tore it up at the Senior Bowl in Mobile this past. Um, great obviously. value of him on round seven. Oh man, round seven! You get Another, a guy like KJ mm. Hill. I mean, come on! You got now. You've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and KJ Hill out there. That, I remember saying to myself when I was watching that round after I watched Baltimore take Geno Stone uh, right before that. I was saying to myself, "Man, how nice would it be if KJ Hill just kept dropping and the Steelers took Claypool and KJ Hill? I would have freaked." KJ Hill is such a good player, man. Such a good route runner. Smart really player. twitchy. Really twitchy. Very smart player. Really twitchy. Good hands. It's just a great pick. Good in the, the screen Chargers. game. Good, great in the uh, screen game. And then my other personal favorite sleeper. And he shouldn't even been a sleeper, Bo. You've already mentioned it. Dallas Cowboys, Bradley and I. Yeah. I just love that pick. You you just got so much talent in a late round. It's just going to be great to see what that guy does in that defense. And he is going to make an impact. Mark my words, a a, a pretty large impact his rookie season. If he can stand um, up to the to the run game and then polish his moves as a as a pass rusher and have a and have about three good ones and something he can counter it with. You know, after he, he ins- once he learns to set his moves up as a pro, he could be a big time player in that defense. Uh, Bona, who who are some of your sleepers? Do you have any favorite picks, favorite fits anywhere? I do. Um, I got four guys. I actually have five. I the one another one came to my mind while we were talking. Um, I got two offensive linemen, and they're both guards, uh, both guys that I think are going to be starters for a while, or have definitely going to have the opportunity to be to get a you know a starting job. Uh, one of them is a guy that I've talked to you about a few times, Shane Lemieux from Oregon, their guard. Uh, Shane Lemieux is a highly aggressive player. He's got a great punch. He and Having a good punch is about you know, obviously making an impact, but hitting your punch on a consistent basis. You know, no matter what is lined up in front of you, whether you're taking on a blitzing linebacker who's faster than you, whether you're taking on a two-man line set with two big five techs that, that can play with you, or you're taking on a big big fat guy in the middle, you know, big D tackle, you know, uh, he gets his hands on all of them. And uh, I mean, he's just a mauler. He's, and I love that. And the giants need it. Uh, they got a good value on him in the fifth round. Uh, and I think he's going to get a chance to play. And I think he's going to do well for him. Um, and they got Saquon Barkley there. He's going to fit in perfect blocking for him as well. Uh, and then I got Kevin Dotson. Uh, Kevin Dotson, this is, I'm going to say he's not just because he's with the Steelers, but I, this is, he's an intriguing guy. Uh, he's been like all conference. And I think they're in like the Sun Belt, I think. Uh, and with Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. And he has been all conference for three years. And he was an All American this year. And he was an All American guard that did not get first team, that did not get invited to the combine. Total snub. Should have been there. One of the better guards, definitely the I'd say the best run blocking guard there at that time. And dude, his run blocking tape, if you like offensive line tape, guys that are running people over and getting a lot of pancakes, watch this kid. He is a watch this man. He's a lifelong Steelers fan and he's a Steeler now. And we got him late in the fourth round uh with a pick that was traded to us. And I love him. I think he's gonna st- 
I think he's going to start over the guy that we signed, Wisniewski, who won, just won a Super Bowl with Kansas City. Uh, so watch Kevin Dotson. I think he's going to be a Steelers guard for the next decade. Uh, I have Eno Benjamin. I thought this was a great running back from Arizona, uh, from Arizona State. This was a great value for him. Uh, he's played his college ball in Arizona. He's just got drafted to the Cardinals. They got him in the seventh round with a 222nd pick. Uh, I think he's better than that, personally. I think he's better than a seventh-round pick. Um, explosive guy. Uh, once he gets cut, he he can go. Once he gets a good, you know, one cut gone, uh, he's got power. He's got a good stiff arm. He can catch the ball. He's been coached up by Herm Edwards. It's a pro style offense. So I like that pick a lot in the seventh round for the Cardinals. I think you could see him contribute this year. Uh, and then because they're, they're going to run a lot of plays. And then I have Bradley and I, just like you, uh, for all the same reasons you said. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Great in the pass rush game. Once he learns to stand up to the run at the pro level. Uh, you could be really talking business with this guy. He could be on the Cowboys for years to come. And also being a West Coast player, uh, I think I don't know if he's from either Hawaii or California, I'm sure, something like that, because uh, I think he's got some kind of Polynesian thing going on. But, I mean, I think he does. I was watching his tape, and he, I mean, playing for the for the Cowboys and doing camp in California, I mean, he could be a superstar there for them. I mean, he really could. He could have a huge fan base. I agree, man. I love that you you always include offensive linemen in your sleepers, some of your favorite picks. Well, I mean, um, it's just, just some of your favorite positions. Of fr- they're they're foundations, but a lot of people don't like to pick because it's not flashy. Yeah. So, so I always love that you include well, and, and I'll guards, tell you, tackles. Yeah, guard like was the least flashy position on the in the offensive line this year. I would say there was bigger stars at tackle and center getting drafted this year than guard. I would say that. Cesar Ruiz it was the best center or guard in this class. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree you know what 100%. I mean? And so, and so, and he's getting drafted probably to play center, in my opinion. And I mean, at least I would. I'd put, you know, he's the best guy. I'd get him leading the offensive line center. And so, you know, I, I just, these guards, these guys, there's, there's four or five guards in here that are going to submit, uh, submit part of an offensive line for the next six to 10 years for some team. And I think Kevin Dotson's one of them, and I think Shane Lemieux could be one of them. I'm more sold on Dotson than Lemieux, but I think he's – I just love Lemieux's tape. I, I love Lemieux's tape too. Like I said, I, I liked both the guys Morgan, Lemieux and Oregon. Calvin uh, Throckmorton. I liked, I liked both those guys. Oregon puts out good guys. And, you know, you were talking earlier about Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you, you, as a fan, you know what teams normally have great offensive lines. Yeah, that, that's teams like Iowa. Big Ten or the Big Ten is always a big place for for good um, offensive linemen coming out in the NFL. Um, you got Wisconsin, Iowa. Um, I'm trying to think of some other schools that are uh, real big in offensive line. Um, Alabama is a big offensive line. West school. Virginia had two this year. West Virginia had two this year. Michigan puts out good offensive linemen. Yeah, they're, they're, I think they're the second team ever or first team ever in the modern draft area to have four in one draft go. Yeah, and then um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is massive. Oh, big-time I mean, offensive line. Talk about UV, Quentin Wilson UVA's right UVA's been one over the years. UVA's been good over the years. So, so there's, like, there's, there's positions that all teams are good. That's why some teams are called DBU or RBU and stuff like that. Just Some teams are really great at, at recruiting these players out of high school, keeping them, especially keeping their in-state guys um, coming to their school, and um, also going out out, out, of, out of state guys and getting them in there, and, and they have great coaches. They have really great 
great coaches to coach these guys and get them to the next level. Um, now, Bo, I'm going to talk about how my Super Bowl pick for this coming season did. Now, you've already talked about yours, but if you want to go into more depth, you can. Um, guys, but my Super Bowl pick for this coming season is the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm just going to go over their draft a little bit and see if they hurt or help their case. So let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. Um, also, real quick, Bo, a little, little note. Speaking of the Seahawks, eight years ago today, the Seahawks selected Russell Wilson in the draft, good for which them. I thought I thought Worked was cool. yeah, good for them. Smart move, guys. Smart move. Um, but but let's talk about it. The Seahawks had a very Seahawks draft. They didn't make it flashy. Yeah, I was about to say it's very lackluster. Very lackluster. But they they always do that. It's it's always not flashy. But all the players pan out. That's how the Seahawks do it. And um, they added quality players at a couple of positions of need. They got a talented linebacker in Jordan Brooks, albeit. They took him a little early. I think they took him a little early. But, again, if you believe in your guy, you go get him. Um, they also added defensive end Daryl Taylor. I like Daryl Taylor a whole lot. Obviously, they're trying to they're, to definitely work on defensive end and work on the depth. Clowney's not coming back, it looks like. So let's, let's work on defensive end a little bit. They added offensive line depth with Damian Lewis to help protect uh, Russell Wilson and keep some depth there. They also added even more tight end depth. It's not like they needed it, but they added yeah, two more tight ends. They or, or, um, they drafted the LSU tight end, Stephon Sullivan, and they also got a guy I liked a lot coming out of Stanford, Colby Parkinson. Um, I liked his tape a whole lot. So overall, guys, I like the class. The Seahawks – the Seahawks. The Seahawks always – They are the draft. Seahawks. Like <laughs> they that. are the Seahawks. We may have to start calling them that. Uh, but the Seahawks, they always draft well. Me and Bo were just going over it. Pete Carroll knows what he's doing. Um, last year, people were kind of ratting on them a little bit for taking um, – DK Metcalf, and they still let got it great, uh, got great value getting him where where they got him out, and um, he's obviously come out. I and think they got things. Jacob Hollister undrafted last year. So they like. did. They they know what they're doing. They they're, they're a great organization. Um, but yeah, overall, Bo, how, how did you feel about the draft this year? How, how did you like it? What would you think? I think it went well, and I think that uh, there was a lot of unpredictable picks and you know and stuff like that going on. I think that there was a lot of uh, I guess unique thinking a lot of there wasn't a bunch of you know scouts grouped together at the combine formulating group opinions and all that i've seen that all over the you know all over the news about how it was going to be a draft where teams have unique grades on players like you know i told you i i thought i you could go in the top you know in the first round but you see tons and tons of mocks where i you could fall to round three you know and it's that is what i think was so cool about it is that these teams had to sit back and do their own homework literally homework they only got to, pretty much only got to see these kids from home i mean i don't know how many schools had pro days i know oregon did but i don't know who else not many of them you know so they do their own they had to just watch tape and pick the guys they believe in and i think i think it went really well i don't, I don't want it in the future obviously i want the draft to be a, a show again and i want to be able to go i want to one day be able to go to las vegas or nashville or something and attend the draft as a fan uh but for what it for what I thought it would be. I thought they did a good job. I was still glued to it all weekend. 
Uh, I, I really enjoyed the draft this year. I mean, obviously there were some teams that went a different direction or went went a direction that I don't, I didn't really thought, I didn't think was a great direction. But but the only thing I see, I, I think that it was flawless, like you said, like an executive said in the NFL, it it, it went great. I, I think Goodell did a great job. I think they included fans. Well, of course they made it for charity as well. So so that was awesome to see. And, and I I, th- I think it was a good draft. I, I think it was a really really cool experience. I think that. You know, and as more and more as I'm getting into this, I'll get to say that I got to see the first ever and hopefully the last ever virtual NFL draft. I hope we don't have another situation where we have to do this again. But, it, yeah. you know, I'm glad I got to see the first ever one and um, something to write home about, I guess. But the only the only bad thing I take, take away from this draft, Bo, is we got to wait till next year for the next one. That's the only yeah. thing I'll take, take away agree. from it. Andy. It's been a long year. It's been a long year, but like I was talking to Bo a little bit earlier about, Later on tonight, I'm already going to jump into the uh, the 2021 class, start looking at the quarterbacks and going over some film on them, start making some notes. But it, it was a fun – it was fun, and, uh, you know, it was a lot of work, working with Blitzalytics. So shout out to the Blitzalytics scouting department. We crushed it this year. We absolutely crushed it this year. Had so many good reports out. So shout out to all the the members that I've been with with Blitzalytics for a while and all the new guys that I got to meet recently coming and joining Blitz and the scouting department, uh, especially it's been a lot of fun working with you guys. And it's another great year in the books next year. Hopefully I will be at the NFL combine and the NFL draft. That's how it was supposed to be this year. The coronavirus just did not let it happen, bro. Just did not let it happen, but <laughs> hopefully I'll be at both of them next year as well as in mobile for the um, senior bowl. So um, I get to look forward to that at least and, and keep keep working harder and harder with TSR and the players that we're working with and, and being able to help those guys out as well. Bo, uh, go ahead and give them your plug, man. Let them know where to find you. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, capital TSR, lowercase B-E-A-U. That's TSR Bo. Uh, do some football tweeting uh put post some articles i write for uh the still curtain with the fan-sided network uh and then i post the podcast up there uh so go ahead and uh, head over there and give me a follow and guys as always please go follow blitzalytics on twitter and follow blitzalytics on instagram and go visit blitzalytics.com go to the members tab Find Jacob Patterson, check out my profile, and check out these scouting reports that I just got done for all of the players I was assigned in the 2020 NFL Draft. If some of these guys went to your team, learn about them. Learn what these guys do well and some things they need to work on and see what I think their ceiling is. Um, I, I was very happy with – I got pretty close, but I was you know, thinking back on my reports. I had the notes pulled up in front of me a lot of the time, so it's getting to see where I predicted these guys would go and where their talent should make them go in the draft. I was pretty close on a lot of them, so, so it's always fun fun to keep uh, getting better at predicting where these guys will end up but guys also please go follow me on twitter at scouting llc i'm always trying to get some information out there retweeting some cool stuff tweeting about some stuff that i I got stuff going on in my mind things that i'm hearing and also please go follow tsr on instagram at scouting underscore llc do this for me guys we are one follower away from 400 followers on instagram and it has happened so fast so i I appreciate all Everyone that has followed us and is supporting us, it has been awesome. And this podcast, we just, like I said, we started back in November. It's been an absolute blast. It has been an absolute blast and a journey to get to do the first ever uh, draft season for the podcast. So now we're looking, looking forward to the next one. Right, Bo? Yeah. Can't wait, man.
It's, it's going to be a whole lot of fun, guys. Anyway, y'all have a great, great rest of your week and be ready for the next episode. Go subscribe, go get a review, and go TSR. Peace out, guys. You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in. This is the TSR pod where all we do is win. It's just football fiends on a mission delivering opinions of my significance. Man, I hope you've been listening. Cause scouting is the business. You're welcome cause it's a privilege. Most people in this position just don't give it away, no. So all that's left to say now is welcome to the show. Cause you know Jacob and Ball, we're ready, so let's go. Well, I got the gotta get it, put it in you. Feeling with the feeling, don't stop, continue.